Welcome to the Backrooms Podcast. In this episode, we take a look at some of the unique and creative ways that game developers attempt to portray stories to players. Follow along as we enter the next room. And please, enjoy the show. Welcome to room three. Why don't you pineapple yourself a drink? <laughs> I, can't, I can't fucking take it seriously. Oh my god, these fucking intros are killing me. Hi everybody, how we doing? Um, right. It's been it's been a hot minute since we sat in the booth again. And, like uh, Could you call this a booth? No, it's, um, it's more like a it's, tent. It's more like a small size skyscraper made out, of, <laughs> made out of Costco folding tables. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Makes me feel safe. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking about games today. Oh, big surprise. <laughs> Specifically. I wanted to talk about how games tell a story. How do games tell a story? Yes. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is derailing so fast. <laughs> That's okay. No, um, but I that's a good question. How do games tell a story? Tell me. I don't know. <laughs> um I I think there there's a lot to be said about this topic. Um there are so many different aspects that go into telling a good story. I think a lot of games today um are just massive massive exposition dumps that really just they say, "Okay, we're going to literally tell a story." And they forget about all the other core elements of storytelling. Now, there are some people who may not have attended preschool and understood the concept of show and tell and what show is yeah. and what tell is. So, Like, I, I bought a game to play it and I read a book. Well, no, that's a good point. You're, it, it, at some point, it's like you play some of these games and they're just telling you every single thing that went on. Like Death Stranding. You know, Death Stranding literally is just a like 16 hour exposition dump and you're like why why isn't this just a movie mm -hmm. you know yeah. if I, i'm here to play a game not watch a movie but no 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 see it's not a, even movies exhibition dumps <clears throat> in movies and 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 media and tv well absolutely that doesn't work it it it's frowned upon in the same way you want to experience it, it where in a game it's interactive in a movie it's more through audio visual stuff you know it's just in neither case, you you don't want just sure tell me the story, show me the story. Absolutely, um, I I think but the it, they're two separate mediums, but the the concept still applies. But I think that in games you have to take it a step further because you're not here. You didn't pay sixty dollars to sit in a twenty minute cutscene that explains the backstory of every single element of your world. They want to be immersed in these experiences. You have, to, want... you have to find those details yourself sometimes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Is there a game, particularly for either of you, that kind of, um, you know... Goes that extra mile? Well, that is your prime example for a game that you felt immersed in the world through its atmosphere, through um, it, its narrative, and et cetera, et cetera, particularly. Division. Division. Yeah, 100%. Really? One or two? Both. Both? No, uh, both. Um... Division is 
for those who don't know, is the premise is... Tom Clancy's The Division. Yes, Tom Clancy's The Division 1 and 2. Um, there was a smallpox outbreak. We're talking about the game, not the mathematical operation. The ga- <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there was a smallpox, a smallpox outbreak that was uh, biogenetically engineered um, and spread on banknotes during the Black Friday sale. And that is all brilliantly portrayed to the players in an intro cutscene that shows um, that the virus was uh, created by man, right? It wasn't uh, a zoonotic event. It was uh, created by man. Did did that cutscene show that? It does show that. It does show that? It does show that right at the beginning. Uh, It shows how the virus was created, how it was spread, and the breakdown of society from that point forward all in the span of like a two three minute sort of the consequences of what right 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 right, right right and then all of a sudden you are dropped into a post-apocalyptic new york city or in the case of the division two washington dc um after the breakdown of society has occurred and you have all these different factions vying for control of what was once new york city um mm-hmm. and from that point on in the game it becomes a lot of it is lore that you have to find within the environment itself. The division does a really, really intelligent thing through the use of its um, what are they called? Is that the, the echoes? Oh, the yeah. echoes, yes, yeah, echoes, yeah. echoes. I will say, I will say, you know, <clears throat> the echoes in division are can be very impactful at times. I, mean, I know there's there's one echo in particular. Uh, any echo with actually really any echo with the Rikers, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. of how fucked up they are, really just <clears throat> makes me uncomfortable. It needs to be completely honest. It's different than if you were say reading a game log about what right. had happened. It's more like you're you're viewing somebody's memory or recollection mm-hmm. of an event from the from like their perspective or at, something. at a, at a yeah. standstill at that point. It's, exactly, it's a small chunk of time that mm-hmm. that shows what happened and tells you what happened. It's it's I like that. I actually forgot about that because it's been so long since I played. But yeah. that was a really cool part of. And then of they the game. they still have the audio logs. They still have those collectibles. Right. I think where yeah. the vision strength lies <clears throat> is. They have a really detailed world. Yeah. Like very I, detailed. Of all the open worlds, barring like something like Deus Ex, um, which are very small open worlds, Vision is a pretty it's it's downtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a lot of detail. A lot. A lot. It's like, why did they spend so much time rendering this window on a car in 4K? Because the smallest <laughs> details leave the biggest impacts. Okay. No, I'm serious. Like, no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about like, <clears throat> you know. The, I agree, the, though. I agree. It's not about the, the shape of the cube. It's about how precise the vertices are and the edges and the texture of it. It's all the smaller details that make up the... You know, you know, a cube aspects. is just one shape. You know that, right? Oh, that, as you know, but a, a, a shape tells a story. <laughs> oh boy! But you get what I mean. It's the smaller properties right. and attributes of of. I'm someone who some I, I personally, when when I'm playing a game, watching a movie, even people get annoyed with me because I'm constantly looking for details. You know, and I'll always, oh, did you see that? No, I'm not looking at that. Why aren't you watching the movie, or why aren't you playing this part of the game? Well, so on on an initial watch of a movie, I would like to watch uninterrupted, just sort of be immersed in the movie without. Well, that's how I over analyze. No, I know. I've I've 
found for myself I enjoy a medium much better if I just sort of allow myself to experience it and take in whatever I happen to take in and then That's on fair. if I enjoyed enough, you know, on replaythroughs or rewatches to <clears throat> analyze details of it and kind of look more into it, see things that I didn't see before. So it's sort of like a new experience, even though it's an old experience for me. I like doing that. That's fair. That's definitely fair. But um yeah, I I, st I stick with that mostly. Like I I look for details, and I immerse myself by analyzing every single because a story a story writer puts something in his movie or in his game or in his story for a reason. It could be the most inconsequential or the biggest impact. Like why is this character's shirt red? There's there's a reason he chose red. Is it an important reason? Maybe maybe not. Like. You even know, even the lack of reason can be a reason. Lack of reason could be a reason. You like a random choice could represent, I don't know, chaos or right. it, the insignificance of something. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever. <clears throat> now, I think a problem that video games can tend to have is there could be a disconnect between the player and the story that's being told. Because you're now taking an interactive element into the equation. Because with a movie... The story writer has a story they want to tell. Yes. And you, you have no choice but to immerse yourself in that story. That's right. A, 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 movie, a movie is like a guide taking your hand and saying, let me guide you through this movie. I'm going to show you these are the parts I want you to see. And you're going to follow me through this experience. You can interpret, With a game, in you can interpret it however you want to do it. But these are the points that we are going to hit. With a game, you have so much more freedom to say, this is the experience we want to create for you. How you go about doing that is up to you, depending on the medium, of course. I think you know, it takes a lot more skill to do that successfully than, honestly, than, than a movie does. But yeah. that's, that's, that's debatable. Yeah. What, I think so. And, and not every player is going to experience it the same way. They're not going to have the same internal monologue about the minute details of these worlds that, you know, you how you experience a game and how you experience a game is going to be different from the way mm -hmm, I experience absolutely. a game. I it's think... the same, like, I'm going to bring us back to Diablo 2, ah. the remaster, because, look, we've been playing the shit out of it I for know, the last, like, three weeks. But when we were planning out this episode, we were talking about what games could we talk about for this episode, and I, I mentioned Diablo 2, and you guys were kind of like... I don't know if I would really use that as an example for environmental storytelling. And I was like, 100% disagree. For the remaster in particular, there are so many more details thrown into the world over the original, um, the, the base Diablo 2, which, you know, is probably a limitation of the technology at the time. Well, yeah, but, but it's also, I, I still f I feel as if you're right, though, you know, especially after we talked about it. Um Diablo 2 has, and I never played Diablo 1, mm -hmm. so the connection that, Brian, that you had to um, the visit back to Tristram, Tristram, yes, Tristram, Tristram yeah. was a lot more impactful for you because you're going back to a previous town that you were in. in right. The first Tr game. So Tristram, for uh, Justin, I'm not sure if you know, Tristram was the main town, the main area the safe haven that you played in in Diablo 1. 
you know, as opposed to like the Rogue Encampment in Diablo 2. No, please um, throw more exposition at me. I will. I'm going to exposition dump the <laughs> shit out of you because I'm not telling a good oh, story. Yeah. Exposition, baby. <laughs> no, no, I like to understand the context of No, but so Diablo 2 tells a very tragic personal story that they want the player to experience. It's It, it creates um, – it's almost like a vendetta kind of story. Meanwhile, the, the the character you are playing as has no connection to the areas that that you are that you are in, but the player does because in the and this is spoilers for Diablo two if anybody hasn't played it. This podcast will probably contain spoilers a lot, for, probably for multiple chock games. full of spoilers. So just but we'll say warning. what game we're talking about. Yes, yeah, we'll. No, we're just not, we're just gonna make you guess what game we're talking about at that moment in time. The Death Star blows up. Spoiler. Fuck, man. I didn't get that far. Um, so the the third quest of the first act takes you back to Tristram, and you find out that the town has been eviscerated by demons. And you can actually go throughout the world. This is a great example of environmental storytelling. And you can actually find the bodies, the mutilated bodies of the friends you used to talk to and buy and sell goods with from the first game. from the, the first, first game. game. So it's oh. very tragic, and it creates a very personal experience for the player. So That's interesting. And, Br- and the blacksmith, a, yeah. the blacksmith from the blacksmith. first game that you would go to to repair all your items, mm-hmm. is actually reincarnated and serves as like one of the quest bosses, Griswold. I don't know if you remember oh. Griswold, the guy in that orange jumpsuit. He was the blacksmith, and so. From that point forward in the game, it becomes a very personal vendetta against Diablo. So while, yes, there is a greater stake of, yes, the world is in peril and we have to stop Diablo, for the player, you're almost funneled into this tunnel vision of, I am going to kick his ass for what he did to these people. And that is the experience that the developers wanted to create. And unfortunately, it's lost on people like you who never played the first game. Right. And so are experiencing I didn't have... Diablo 2 as your first right. entry into the franchise. So when I, when I played through that act or that mission, I, I just fucking barreled through it. Right. Well, give or take some deaths. Right. But different yeah. story. Um, like, I didn't really get, get, get the impact. Even when I played Diablo 3. <clears throat> like, I know that they, you know, I've heard it's not nearly as... Spoilers. As dense story-wise compared to the other Diablos. But That's a good comparison to make. We'll get to that later. I mean, uh, I'm not qualified to make that discussion. I'll take the lead. Don't worry. <laughs> but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but um, I didn't have as much of an impact on that specific aspect versus you because, like you said, you were able to experience it previously with playing the first game and then seeing everything unfold in the second game. I think that's that's something that um, a lot of people um, will see if they have that prior experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another great example of, you know, going back to originally what you said, um, people experience games differently, you know? Yeah. Every single medium, every single art, every single movie, TV show, game, you're not going to experience it the same way as I am. I think a great controversial example of that was Last of Us 2. 
That game. I did not personally play it. I only know. I didn't play of it and details about it. Because I don't have some a PlayStation. <laughs> Oops. You buy mine. I'm already buying your Xbox. How much money do you want from me? More. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Last of Us Two, you know, they, the developers, uh, uh, Naughty Dog, they they fucking cleaved the fan base in half. They, they, you, you did not have a lukewarm opinion of that game. You either hated it or you loved it. Polarizing. It was very polarizing. Yes, thank you, um, Mr. Teacher. Um, <laughs> me, personally, I thought it was a phenomenal story. Definitely won my game of the year that year. Wasn't the main uh, issue or one of the primary uh, points of contention with the game was like how like murderous that uh what ellie 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 basically kind of became through that the second one as compared to the first one or was that a part of it i think so i mean i, I don't know entirely the reasoning for everybody's disappointment um everybody has their own reasons i know some of it political some of it not that's beyond my discussion or desire um I just found it very well. To t- to answer your question, she was no more murderous than Joel was in the first. You know, um, I think the story of the cycle of violence, you know, the, being a big theme, and and just just let it go. That so I I remember watching um, video game donkey. He made a video about Last of Us Part Two. And he mentioned that there is a huge disconnect between the actions the player undertakes in gameplay and the emotions that the same character feels in cutscenes. So I think, and again, I haven't played Last of Us 2, so I'm just trying to like recollect what I saw in the video. But I remember, if I remember correctly, the character... I think Nikki Jakey said game, that, not Donkey. Maybe, it might have been Nikki Jakey. It might have been Nikki Jakey. Shout out to Nikki Jakey. Shout out, I love Nikki Jakey. Um... <laughs> But the like your the actions the character in the cutscenes is much more empathetic towards human life, but meanwhile the disconnect lies in the gameplay when you are just slaughtering, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> Justin's making you can't see it, but Justin's being an asshole right now. <laughs> I think that that is a, I've heard that. Me personally, I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it is Does that say more about the game or more about you? It's, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a psychologist. I just see one. <laughs> but the, I personally didn't feel that. I always felt as if every, you know, every action was justified. I think that's what they want to make us question as a player. You know. Um, that you should be questioning not only your actions, but, you know, the actions, uh, like, are you provoked? Are, do you constantly feel in danger, maybe? So do you think that the use of a silent protagonist would have been more effective no. in portraying that? No, 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 no. Because then, because then you, as the player, could paste yourself onto that character. I see, I, in, in that specific instance, no, because um, Ellie's emotion, um, yes, Justin, you have your hand raised. Continue your thought. And then I will speak. How about you just speak now? Because you already interrupted my train of thought. 
I okay. Um, <laughs> I think games that can implement a voiceless, faceless, or very sort of stark character, whether it's something like Gordon Freeman in the Half Life um, series or um, Master Chief in that's what I was going to say. Yes, that if done well, you the player are the one experiencing the events. Not You're not playing a character who has experienced the events. You are the one going through that experience. You can put yourself in their shoes. You know, you while in both instances you're still making decisions, it feels more like you're vesting yourself in that character than just watching someone else have an experience. Like, I love God of War, but I'm not kratos and he very much has his own personality and dialogue and everything and that's fine um but it's different than again something like like halo or or other games yeah. and i i love those kinds of games because i can i can invest myself more in in that kind of a character so i'm, I'm glad you brought up master chief because that's where i was going to go with it too um but <clears throat> a major reason that people had an issue with Halo 4 when 343 took over is they he started talking more. Right. They gave Master Chief a personality, which, you know, I don't personally have a huge issue with. I'm okay with it. But Master Chief, initially, Bungie meant to. Master Chief was initially intended to be a vessel for the player. You know, you were Master Chief. That's why he never, you know, aside from his. You know, one-liners or quips every once in a while. He was very stoic character. He was character. very stoic character. You never saw his face because you were supposed to be the Master Chief. And then Halo 4 came around and they wanted to... <laughs> they, you know, kind of created this story arc between the Chief and Cortana. Which, to its credit, I think works pretty well. But it it does not line up with Bungie's initial... Uh, initial Vision initial initial initial. I'm initial. like I need a glass of water right now. <laughs> I need glasses. Ini to speak <laughs> initial vision for what Master Chief was intended to be. <clears throat> I think that that's good. I think this is a good point. Ah, to have a word from our sponsor. Welcome back, everybody. Why don't you pineapple yourself a drink? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why don't you pineapple yourself a drink? Oh, that made more sense in my head. <laughs> Fucking asshole. You had a question for me, Brian? I did. I did. I didn't know we were going real with that, but that, yeah, let's just roll with it. Um, so w when, when we left off, we were talking about um, environmental storytelling. Um, so for both of you guys, what game do you remember most vividly for its, its atmosphere? Hmm. I'm going to say this and I'm going to make sure nobody gets it wrong when they hear me. Outer Wilds. Not. Not Outer Worlds. Not Outer Worlds. Do not play that game. Outer Wilds. Very much play that game. And somewhat spoilers ahead for this game. Um, I'll try not to spoil too much. But this game is best experienced when you have no knowledge going in. But uh, a very succinct explanation. 
It's a exploration game. You pilot a spaceship, you go to different planets, and you try to discover <clears throat> things about your solar system, about your world, about the place that you're in and your place in it. Um, but with that said, Outer Wilds, I think it, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I will say I've never, of all the games that, you know, we have played together, I've seen you play, you talk the most about Outer Wilds. And I, because I want everybody to play it. I want everybody to experience <laughs> it. And it won't be everybody's game. That's fine. There, I had a friend, Anthony, from um, from my work, and he tried to play it, and he just got bored. He either got bored or he it was directionless for him. He didn't know what to, what to do. So if you're... Not if you're the type of player that much more enjoys, um, not I wouldn't say an on rails experience, but a little more of a guided narrative where you know there is a structure to it. Um, or you know, this may not be the game for you, but I encourage everybody to try because the way the game works is you start on your world, uh, hearth, timber hearth, almost forgot. Um, which is basically like Earth, and you are a fledgling pilot for this little colony of your race of people on this planet. And you have the ability to talk with the people in your uh, on your world in your town. Uh, these are worlds are very small, physically very small. You can fly around it in, you know, maybe... A few minutes. 20 seconds not even they're really? very they're that very small? very small yeah i've only played the game for like an hour oh it feels big see i've explored it so many so much that it you you can understand actually the scale of it but once you start once you first start playing it or when you first start playing it it feels very big and it is big in its own way but it's small enough that it gives you the ability to explore a lot of it without having to just uh, spend time during travel like games with these vast worlds and you spend like 20 minutes walking from one place to the next to me it kind of takes away a little bit from the experience it's just unless a lot of things happen on the way but you know that's a that's that's different uh but you you pilot a ship and you go and you sort of just aren't really given a direction of what to do you are given uh, your ship, you're given a suit so that you can fly out into space and not just die. You can, oh, like, for a limited you, time, right? Uh, you have air supply and you have a fuel right. so that you can like move. You have a jetpack so you can like you know propulse yourself mm -hmm. or propel yourself. And the only real direction you get is you get something called a signal scope. And I'm going to try to not make this just – I'm just explaining the whole game. But like Expo this needs – Exposition this, me, daddy. This needs a little context. You get a signal scope which detects signals and, they, and it labels them as like quantum fluctuations or um, other adventurers out in the sky. And as you move around, uh, visually the HUD kind of zones in on these areas and like, oh, okay, I've, I've, I've located – one thing and what is it uh oh i hear something like do 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 like just music playing out like mm -hmm. thousands of kilometers away where the f is that coming from that was the first mission i did actually some first experience of it so yeah. let me let me let me ask let me ask because um so so what how is the story presented to the player is it is in it the environment entirely in, in the environment through the environment you so do it's not it, it is it's it, not a guided experience whatsoever. No, it is the least guided experience on planet Earth. Is it more akin to games like Absolutely. Fallout and Skull, uh, Skyrim? 
Well, so kind of. There's no other game that I played like it. There so, really okay. is no other game I before played. Before you okay. ask, because that, that was the vibe I got from like trailers and and promotional materials for the game. Before you even ask that question, Brian. Okay. Is there an end goal? You eventually stumble upon what would be the end goal, and it's not like you you get. The game is very good at giving you little hints and um, um, pieces of information like that you're crumbs. yeah breadcrumbs. So the word okay. I'm looking for breadcrumbs of intriguing information, but not enough to really understand what it means or or what uh, what it is. Um, and so your your goal most of the time is you find some bit of information and you try and find more, try and understand it, why it is there, where did it come from, what does it mean, etc. A lot of the game, there's writings on the walls that you translate with a tool that you have. And through the writings, it tells a story of an ancient race from thousands of years ago um, that as you explore these worlds, you find these structures that... The Harthians didn't build, the, that your race didn't build, they just existed. And we understand, um, the player knows through the town that, that this alien race has existed, but a lot of it is, it, all of it is explored and you, before I start talking over myself, you explore it all through the environment. You find structures, you find um, audio recordings, you find thing, written, things written on the walls. <clears throat> Um, you find puzzles. A lot of the game is puzzle solving, trying to link things together, concepts together, understandings of how the game mechanics work. There's some game mechanics that aren't explained to you and you actually have to progress through areas to understand how to use it. And that will lead you to now being able to access further areas and understanding more about the game and the game world. It's such a a great experience for some for for anyone that likes exploration that likes puzzle solving um or even like mystery in a way and your end goal you what happens in the game you'll be playing and after 20 something minutes you'll hear an explosion and you'll die and you're like what just happened and then the transition screen is you see this big symbol which looks like the head or of a statue that you have in the town that is of the ancient alien race and images of the past 20 minutes play like progressively get of faster and did. overly of what you did the past right. 20 minutes okay like oh this then this happened this is this and then it and then it all fades to white and you wake back up when you started the game yeah so it's a time loop it's a yeah it's and a you loop. are stuck in a time loop and there is you eventually discover how it works and why it's happening. Oh. You do. Okay. Oh. Okay. You do. And to more than that, you understand th through finding out those mechanics, um, how other technologies work, how the how uh, how you can solve other puzzles. Yes, and, exactly. And... Very it's and it's a great game in the sense of being able to go to anything, find any bit of information, and then continue the story onward. You don't have to start with this village or this planet or this thing you can find and look through anything i can go oh there's a comet flying over okay i'm just gonna land on that and through fi through finding information that may be on that i can now find more information you can start at any point anywhere in the in in the world and in their solar system and and progress the story it's so well designed and tells everything through the environment there is not a thing told through some overarching narrative it is all through mm -hmm. the environment mm -hmm. and i just love it man I so, love it so i much. think that begs, <laughs> I, I think that begs an interesting question um are there games that 
I, I the rhetorical question because I I already know the answer in my mind. I think some games take environmental storytelling too far, and I think there are games that don't take it far enough. I think there is a very sweet spot. There, there's a sweet spot. There's a very delicate balance. I think a balance of, also needs to be struck, in depending on because, like, <clears throat> Outer Wilds, from the way that Justin has described it, and for the limited amount of time that I've experienced it. Please play it. Please, for the love of God, play it if you're listening. Please. (laughs) I'm going to have to play it again now. But that's a game that can survive on only your environment, your atmosphere. I disagree with him. I disagree with you that you can take environmental storytelling too far. It's how it's done, not Mm. the amount. Okay. Uh, That's fair. I think that's a fair statement. You know what's another game that does that? Have you guys ever played Inside? I have not. But I played I know the of precursor. It. I know Limbo. Of it. Limbo. Same, yeah. Limbo. Same kind of deal. In, th- there's no narrative. There's no. There's no. Why are dialogue. you running? Why are you You're a just small running. child? You're just a small child <laughs> running, and and there's no there's no dialogue. There's just music, sounds, and what you see in the background. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can do all these puzzles, and you're like, why am I doing these puzzles? And you start learning that as you're seeing stuff in the background you're mm-hmm. seeing the character move and hide from cameras and so on and so forth that's an inside not a not limbo, inside yeah good. and limbo you know has its own unique way of doing that um and so i think those are three examples right there so inside limbo outer wilds that show that you can't go too far with the environmental storytelling you can only just fuck it up and I think I have a feeling I know where you're going with that, Brian. Where? Where do you think I'm going with that? Destiny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think at at the risk of uh, crucifying myself to anybody who's listening out there, um, I, I think Destiny is very lackluster in the storytelling department. Um, I think the ultimate... Uh, the... the, the <laughs> There's a line of dialogue in the game itself, in Destiny 1, that I think perfectly encompasses the entire Destiny franchise. One line. This lady goes, I don't even have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> oh, that, I remember that line. It's that like, was, who said that? That was what? The, the stranger. The exo I don't even know. I don't remember her name. I can't tell you a single person's name in, in the Destiny franchise. I have played through all the expansions because I think the gameplay is very solid. You know, it comes from Bungie. It comes from Bungie, who, you know, created the first three Halo games. So it's a company that I know is capable of making good gameplay. But they just fumbled the story because the only character I can remember from the Destiny franchise is Cade Six. And I think the reason for that is because for the same reason that Halo 5 told a lackluster story is they relied too heavily on outside information i would also say grimoire cards well are a major factor in the lore of destiny one and two and sure if you're willing to go out of your way and take the time to read all of that material and catch yourself up on the lore there's an interesting story to be told but the majority of your player base is not going to be willing to go out of their way to read, let's say in the instance of Halo, they're not going to be willing to read 20 novels 
in order to catch themselves up on the lore that takes place between Halo 4 and Halo 5. Right. Nobody, nobody in their right mind is, is you know, or at least should have in the boardroom when they made that game should have been like, yeah, this is a great idea. <laughs> Everybody does their homework. It's I Halo. Think, you guys know Halo. I Do your Bun- fucking homework. Bungie probably got cocky with that because their first three Halo games and Halo ODST, Halo Reach, uh, I guess Halo Wars 1 technically wasn't them directly but it was still right yeah they still right 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 but um that was more of a partnership between microsoft and ensemble studios ensemble. bungie actually did not support the idea of halo wars really yeah no they did so was not that, was that like story that idea. canon at that point um i don't wars think it was i don't think it was huh. it, it is now it is now but yeah. i don't think it was intended to be interesting see that i did not know but i will say um halo one through three and halo reach and odst they those all existed as their own storyline and you could follow it from point a to point b to point c mm-hmm. while also still if you wanted to partake in the outside research mm-hmm. you had that option we had that discussion last week when justin was you know you were watching a bunch of halo lore videos oh, and you yeah. <laughs> i came in here and you were like telling everybody about like the extended lore of the halo universe and i love that the games can tell a simple but easy to understand story. And then if you are willing, there is a ton of expanded lore that you can that you can go, but it's not crucial, it's not crucial. to understanding mm-hmm. the central game the uh, narrative. The, 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 na- the central narrative of the franchise. You know, it's there if you want to learn more about these characters, it's there for you. If you want to dig down and, and do the research, it's there. But I think that it's a huge mistake for companies to just assume that their game is popular enough that everybody is just going to buy anything that has the Halo brand on it or yeah. the Destiny brand on it. Well, that's what 343 did. And, you know, they're hopefully remediating their mistakes. Um, Halo Infinite does seem to, from what it looks like, I, I am truly excited for it. I can't wait. It's, you know, it's, 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 I can't wait. It's going to be taking place. Now. Pretty much after Halo Wars 2, which Halo Wars 2 had a phenomenal story, in my opinion. Um, what? Don't don't sigh. No, 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 no. I wasn't. I, I, I was mostly just breathing because it's really hot in here. But, <laughs> but I I don't know. I, I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I actually played through the story of Halo Wars 2. It's been a few years. We just yell at each other um, on the multiplayer now. Yeah, pretty much. I don't want to play now. We can do that later. Okay. I'm down with that. <laughs> I remember not being as enthralled with the method of storytelling in Halo Wars 2 as well, opposed just, to Halo just, Wars 1. I think that's just... Well, what do you mean? What what was different? I, I don't know. I There was... You're not a central character less, in the same way. You're not though. a central character, no. Well, yeah, but it's the same, you know, same in Halo Wars 1. I, I, I don't know. To me... So, uh, I think Blur Studios... Is the company that did like the cutscenes cut for yeah. Halo Wars and Halo Two Anniversary? They did it for Halo Wars Two. Did they do it for Halo I Wars Two? So. I believe are... it. I believe it, dude. Anything Blur does Blur is, is phenomenal. But I, I'd remembered being disappointed with the lack of cutscene content in that game That's because true. a lot of the story was presented in like these pre-mission briefings. Oh right, you know, yeah. which I was kind of like. Okay, yeah. I I was like, fine. I wish that's were, a like, fine way to tell a story. I wish there were more cutscenes. Uh, but 
and and I'm not saying that cutscenes are like the premier way to, to to present a story to somebody. I think it's just me on the inside being like, but the cutscenes are so good. <laughs> They're so that, pretty that, to look that at. Leads back though, I would say to it's how like in a game like Halo Wars, you need those cutscenes because like I feel as if that's that's going to be the number one way to tell the story. It provides like, context it, it for what's context. going around. It shows you what these characters are doing before you just be their commander for a minute there's less exploration that can take place right. so there exactly. you can't just go around and find the story for yourself it has to be presented to you in a manner of speaking yeah thank you for contributing justin <laughs> well i spoke for like 15 minutes straight for outer wild so i feel like it's it's only just that then you guys speak 15 minutes <clears throat> I'm straight sick of about, hearing about brian <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Um, <sighs> All right. I mean, see I mean, you later. No. <laughs> I, I, no, but you're... The it's smallest true, I think... details make the largest impacts. Yeah. Who said that? Socrates, like seven years ago? I said it like 15 minutes ago. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but I, I, I think, you know... Um, I mean, cutscenes have their place. I think it also depends because I, you know, for me, someone who enjoys the details, mm-hmm. I hate games like that use the uh, like automated animation mm-hmm. for their cutscenes. Mm-hmm. I know it's necessary for bigger games, but even one of my favorite action RPGs, I guess, um, Shadow, uh, the the Middle Earth, Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor games, they use automated animation for. Actually, no, they use CGI for a lot of their stuff. Well, it's not like, CGI. It's usually um, a collection uh, of, of, right. of of yeah, but of animations um, so that but they cycle through stuff. So when it came to like story, you know, obviously it's not a canonical game, but it still kind of you know held my interest a little bit more than I expected it to. But that was mostly. I was mostly apathetic towards like the cutscenes and everything like that. But then you get a game like anything that Blur does, yeah. Halo Wars. But it's not just it's not just the visuals. And the no, no. The music yeah. has well, just yes. as an important effect on both cutscenes and gameplay and everything you do. Every... So you know what I'm gonna say? No. You know what I'm gonna say? I don't. I'm stupid. Diablo 2. <laughs> no. Take a shot every time Brian says Diablo. It's seriously, I'm no, I'm a fanatic for this for the franchise, but See, I don't even hear music when I'm playing it. You don't? Maybe it's just because I'm like, like it becomes white noise. It I just guess. becomes white noise to me. Really? Yeah. Like the Tristram soundtrack is just so I like when I think of gaming soundtracks, Tristram is just that guitar strum is just so iconic and it, it just ingrained in my memory. And and hmm, I, I it's, guarantee it's, a big part of that is nostalgia. Probably. Is that the main encampment? That, no, not the, is it? No. Well, yes and no. Well, so, okay, so Tristram, it, it plays when you're in Tristram, but it was the song that played when you were in town in the original Diablo. Oh, okay. But a lot of the themes, including the one that plays in the encampment, are themed after it. So when you hear that guitar strum... It's meant to be reminiscent of the 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 first game, so it meant it, it it aims to create the same kind of dark, brooding atmosphere that Diablo Diablo is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, um, <clears throat> I, I would like to reference once more Outer Wilds. Yeah, and go its ahead. Music 
Um, when you start up the game, you hear this, I would say, quite recognizable sort of banjo camping music. Oh, yeah. And at first, you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. It makes you feel a little comfortable, a little warm, like, oh, going for an adventure. And it, I think that it two things happen. One, um, mu- music, I think, in general, breeds a sense of familiarity. You mm-hmm. hear, like, I hear the the... Oh, the Halo, just intro theme, like, and I just melt. Yeah, I know you get goosebumps all around, and then, and and you know what? Everybody, go on YouTube and look up uh, Halo theme being sung in a boys' bathroom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So something uh, with Outer Wilds. When I mentioned the signal scope, and you hearing these, just like sort of tunes out in the universe they all are separate pieces of an overarching sort of musical number including the main theme they all come together yes and you hear them throughout the game and especially you hear it in the beginning of the game and again they all feel like you know comfortable you're like you're camping you're out with your friends like that type of music and then it takes all of that towards the sort of finale of the game at the end which I will not give away, but it's it was almost emotional. It was um, that you wouldn't think in a game like that would become emotional, but what happens in the end is is for me was actually very emotional and impactful. And because it encompassed the this music that I would hear so frequently, when I start up the game now, every time I like those memories and the mm-hmm. feeling that I had that I got from the game just flood back. Yeah. And it's like music oh has a tendency God. to do that. Um, and it can be from an emotional moment or not. Like, I, I think the meaning has changed essentially. The, yeah. yeah. How you, how you feel about it. Like yeah. the end of, end of God of War was a very happy moment. You complete your quest to get to the top of the highest mountain. Very emotional moment. And I was good until, until the music started. You see Kratos <laughs> and Atreus there. And that's when I started to tear up. Mm. it's like music has that 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 pull on you yeah and i think that's that's where companies like nintendo really shine mm-hmm. all of their games i would say bungie well bungie so, has well, a phenomenal yeah they, obviously they do track record when it comes to they obviously do soundtracks destiny included I'm destiny not just talking included, about Halo. but um nintendo they integrate music into their into their games just in general you're talking about adaptive music no, just just music, like well. Like, so Mario Kart. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, just... no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> my bad. No, my bad. My like bad. Mario in the Mario universe, you have the note blocks, right? You have music mm. integrated into the game. That's true. As a game mechanic, is a yeah. game mechanic in Zelda. In the Zelda games, you have the ocarina. You have every single Zelda game has some form of music that leads you down a certain path. In Ocarina of Time, every temple and every dungeon had a unique theme that matched its environment. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that, you can imme- when you hear the Bolero of Fire, you you know, oh, that's so that's that's for the mountain. It not only becomes sort of an emotional and tone setting um, tool, but also a tool. Um, as a game mechanic to signify what may come to mm-hmm. signify the environment you may be in or, or or foreshadowing some 
maybe near event that may occur, something that's that you know. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, also, uh, yeah. when you said Bungie, it's Marty O'Donnell. Ma- yeah. Martin O'Donnell. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, f- yeah, fuck Bungie. They didn't make any music. It was That's Martin O'Donnell. <laughs> very true, very true. And, and they stole all of it. Have you That's ever played um, Left 4 Dead? <clears throat> it's been a very long time since well, I played Well, you, you were just talking about how music can foreshadow what's to come, and I think Left 4 Dead is a very good example of using music to... Um, foreshadow um, the events that are about to happen or or unfold in the game. They use music to alert you to specific enemy types that are present in the environment. And I didn't even really pay attention to this all that much when I was playing the game. But subconsciously, maybe I, right? I was just it. playing the game, and I was like, "Oh, there's that there's that piano track again." But I recently watched um, the Russian Badger. He did a video about Left 4 Dead 2 very recently, and he actually pointed out that a lot of those piano tracks signify the presence of a specific special enemy, like a smoker or a spitter or a hunter. Or witch, and, I think. Or witch, right? Witch, tank. I think the tank is probably the most iconic one, you know, that dun, dun, dun. But I think it's so interesting how... Me, there are so many different uses for music that really you don't even think about until somebody points it out and says, hey, mm-hmm. did you know this? And I was like, no, I had no fucking idea, actually. That's really cool. <laughs> well, you br- you brought up before, uh, well, you interrupted before. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the adaptive sound in, in Breath of the Wild. Um, Zelda Breath of the Wild has a phenomenal not only music, just audio in general. Mm-hmm. Very stark, though, use of of music a lot of the time. Yeah, with a lot of the time that you're in the game, just like, because. It, but it, it matches the environment that you're in, sort absolutely. of this very not sparse, but just vast landscape. Yeah, I've, it's and it's just it it fits so well, and then like I I know I'm coming into a town when I start to hear the the little little and then and then I know I'm gonna come up on that bitch crass whenever i hear that fucking accordion <laughs> i know everybody loves him i hate him <laughs> music breeds familiarity <laughs> i know whenever i hear an accordion now he's the first thing i think of and i hate it <laughs> but then every other part as soon as i start to hear like that that slight like off key or that slight vibrato i know oh here comes <clears throat> here comes the blood moon mm. It's it's such a slight change, and then it swells into something else. And as soon as you hear that slight change, barely even noticeable, but you you get a feeling something is happening. And I think that's where audio can really um, sometimes tell the story without even needing anything to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there is. Um, I know that uh, sometimes. Uh, media movies and shows and i think games included sometimes but more less so games and more so media um are guilty of using music to force like an emotional response mm-hmm. like you should be feeling sad yeah, right yeah. now you should be feeling yeah, yeah, empathetic yeah. or whatever it is um but i think that in games uh it you there is more if for dynamic music there has to be more attention to paid to how the player is interacting. Like you don't want what you I, There's been a lot of games that I've experienced where just sometimes randomly like battle music or yeah. like action music will start playing. I'm like, 
What's happening? <laughs> like the John Travolta meme, like <laughs> I don't see any. <laughs> That's um, true, yeah. And and it kind of it's like it makes it, I don't know, it kind of brings you out a little bit of the immersion of like there's nothing happening. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. So you have to be in the same way that movies have to watch with that you have to be careful. You can't force it, but you can definitely it using music and sound absolutely augments uh, gameplay and your emotional response and how you interpret the environment, the tone that it sets, everything like that. It can't be used to just like you can't force someone to change their mind about something, but you can encourage them or entice them or plant seeds of things that will, you know, lead them to feeling or experiencing something uh, in, in a certain right. way. Can you can you think of any like specific examples of games that? where the music kind of overpowers the tone that was initially intended. What do you mean by that? So I, I think, like like Justin was just saying, I think there are certain games where... Like, what what was a bad example of using, like, or what was an example of using the wrong... I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. I was more curious if maybe you guys had an idea, but I... Oh, well, that's I why do. you asked the question. That's why I answer. asked the question, because... Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, but but can you think of, of, of an example of games that the music kind of overpowers the tone that overshadows? was... Overshadows? Overshadows, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um... This is a really bad example, because the game, the entirety of the game is just jank as fuck. Seven days, Seven days to, to die. die. Oh my god. Seven days, Seven to, die. days it, to die. But that is, I mean, the, the whole game is just a perpetual alpha state, and it kind of shows. Um, so sometimes. There is dynamic music, but. Sometimes, like, I will say, sometimes just, that game, like, as. I don't know if anybody listening has ever played it, but. Um, how long has it been out? Seven years now almost? I think longer. No. Yeah. I think really? It's been, it's been a long time, and it's still an alpha. Technically, <laughs> that's what happens when you have two developers. No, no offense to them because I've never met them. Two developers who don't know what they're doing. I can't make a game. I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't call myself a developer. Also, they had a shitty publisher. That's a different story. Um, Pretty sure Battlefield 2042 is still in alpha, but <laughs> it's just me. I mean, they're saying it's in beta. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's going to be outdated very soon. Uh, but sometimes in Seven Days to Die. I'll just be going through my inventory or something, and I, I, whenever I'm playing with um, Justin, I know you and I play it a lot. Brian doesn't really play it, but um, I got into it for a little while, and then I, I definitely didn't get as invested as you guys, right? But but I I had a good time with it for for what it was. Mm -hmm. yeah. but, but any uh, to, to 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 go back to what you were saying, Justin. Seven days to die. I play it with headphones on, which I think game with good audio, you need to play with headphones on. Oh, that's a good game because when I look down, my feet are in front of me, but when I look up, my feet sound like they're behind me. <laughs> okay, it's so awesome. the, uh, the, 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 the the sound engineering is not the greatest, <laughs> but once in a while, it'll line up. I'll just be like... The stars align. <laughs> the stars align. I'm at my... I'm at the house or I'm at, at the base... I had the, you can hear the the fire from the campfire cooking the food mm -hmm. or whatnot, and then the sparse like pluck of the drum. Mm. It gets me. And I don't know why. No, it it can it can work. The consistency of of how well it works and how it transitions to different situations 
isn't the greatest, but it can work. It shows that it is important, but when it doesn't work, it it'll kind of take you out of it a yeah. little bit. Like I'm less oh I'm like I'm in surviving the zombie apocalypse and more I'm just what the fuck is going on in this broken mess? Can I ask? Because I'm I'm a little like I said I haven't played it as much, so I'm not quite on the same page as you. With what do you mean by it gets you? Like in what way does it get you? Like like it makes me feel like like do you feel like uncomfortable? Do you feel unnerved? I feel like because whenever if I hear that, like I shouldn't be hearing that sparse guitar when I'm out exploring, uh-huh. or I'm in a town. I should really only be hearing that when I'm in my base. It's sunset, maybe, whatever. So once in a while, that'll line up where it's midday or even... Uh, you know what? Specifically nighttime, actually. I'll go with that. Okay. Nighttime, it's close to midnight. Zombies aren't around. It's just dead quiet. You Do they only the... come out at night? No. No. Okay. They get more aggressive at night. Right. Um, so it's a standard trope, but if there's nothing around, it's dead quiet... And then you hear the the strumming of the guitar, and it's like, I feel safe. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in an area where I know I can look through my inventory. I can mm-hmm. make food. I don't have to worry. I can do some construction if I need to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I can start subcontracting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it doesn't always work. But Com- when it does, it gives you a good. comfortable feeling. Yeah. It, 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 and I think that's necessary, especially in a game like that. Like, you don't just want to perpetually feel this sense of paranoia and, and uh, uh, anxiety the entire game. I don't think that's necessarily enjoyable. But Dark Souls. But, but, well, you know. every but there's a while. sense of satisfaction. Like, in Seven Days to Die, there is no end. There is no beating a boss and, like, I've, got, I, I've completed this. There is just more. There is never not more. <laughs> New Game Plus. In in what um... <laughs> Dark Souls? Oh well, <laughs> no, I'm just messing. I'm just well, I messing. think it's important. It's it's important what you said. How it doesn't always work, but every so often it just clicks mm-hmm. and and it hits you the right way. And it's important because music by itself is not going to elicit the specific emotions out of a player. It can, but likely it is the music in tandem with the different elements of of the game, like sunset mm-hmm. like the division has a very beautiful soundtrack and you know depending on when it comes about it doesn't always hit the same way but if you are let's say you're playing division one and you're in manhattan and that game has phenomenal lighting it's so beautiful when when the sun hits the right way it's gorgeous and sometimes when that soundtrack hits yeah and you're you're looking at the sunset through like you know 10 city blocks of tall skyscrapers just the way the lighting hits in tandem with the music it's just That's, it's yeah. beautiful and then sometimes that same there music will hope. hit when you're in an apartment building and you know it's you're yeah. staring at I think that's where nothing but like, and that 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 I think all what we're saying just validates my point with Nintendo is they've got that down to a science like Breath of the Wild I don't think there's ever been an instance where I feel like the music or or the sounds did not line up with what was happening. I can't I can agree with you in the hundreds of hours I put into the game. Yeah. yeah, it was it was, every part of it was like cohesive whenever, and consistent. Whenever I hear the or the or the like that one note on the keyboard. 
I know I'm about to get my shit fucked up by a guardian. <laughs> like, I might not see that guardian, but I know it's right there. That game is definitely a pinnacle of um, not only sound design, um, as other games are, but attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And I think so. consistency. Other than the, uh, the <clears throat> forest, which drops down to like 20 Well, that's just that's just performance. That's not necessarily like the game world itself. But yeah. that's just, yeah, that's a yeah. limitation of, of, of the switch um the i think we mentioned it earlier in the podcast but how or no i think i said it in a weird way and then we in random conversation the smallest details make the largest impacts and then oh no i just like i said it and then you said it and took credit for it (laughs) (laughs) and then you took credit for it again (laughs) but it's so important and it's part of the music i think is part of that like when you hear little sounds or in breath of the wild when you're like just like in the middle of you in an you see you'd like walk down a mountain into an open field and it's like like open like wow what what's going that's actually true yeah like it just there's the little very little things and and with outer wilds in a very different way where paying attention to the details is how you progress through the game and and it rewards you anything that you can see anything that you can interact with um it either progresses you in knowledge or uh exploration or just interesting information you know mm-hmm. something to to reward you for doing that like in in games where like there's there's a lot of examples but the only thing that's coming to mind is like call of duty or something where there can be some detail but like it's very much a boxed in game yeah. a lot of the time like you cannot go really go explore outward from the central road of a narrative and I personally don't like that because I like exploring. I see a thing. Oh, it's cool. I want to go to it. I want to see what it does. I like little details. I like yeah. kind of going outside the just the the generic um, framework that the that the game presents. I, I right. Not everyone's like that. Not everyone plays a game to just look for things other than the game, the main game. But I like doing that. And I like games that reward me for that and then either give small details or give um, acknowledgments that like, hey, you, you looked at this. That You know, here's yeah. a little bit of something. I, mm-hmm. think, I think that's where Destiny falls apart, really. I remember – I have a very specific memory of Destiny 2, one of the first expansions. I was on one of the planets, whatever – and that's when I really realized how small this game really was and how little there was in it. I found like this cave that seemed interesting. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Let me take a look around. I looked around. I found like this wide open cavern. I jumped down into it. And I'm in this area that I've never seen before. And it's just empty. Like there, I wasn't supposed to be there pretty much. So... I was exploring a game that's quote unquote open world, but for what? Just reason? for the sake of Just it being open world. It? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there was, there was no like I hate to sound pretentious, but there was no reason I should have been like like Destiny should not have been an open world game mm-hmm. in my opinion. Probably not. Um, <clears throat> they they made it a very boxy, you know, progression, where like you're saying, you know, do this 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 and this, and you can progress. But then at the same time, making this planet that you can ex- quote unquote explore, but you, you never explore it unless you go into free roam, which you only do if you need to complete a quest for something specific. Yeah. 
addendum. Anybody who is listening is free to disagree with every single thing yeah. that any one of us yeah. has said. We are by yeah. no means the pinnacle of knowledge on anything no, that we talk it, about. No, it's, it's this not is just the, an opinion, really. It's not the right opinion, it's just our opinion. Um, I'm just an idiot. Look, I know dingle dongle about video game design. You know, I'm not a game developer. I just know what works for me. Everybody's a critic. Listen, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one and they all stink. Anyways. I think I've heard that before. It's time to take another shot because I'm going to (laughs) reference Diablo again. Because I think it it strikes a good balance between environmental storytelling and dialogue-driven storytelling. The story is there. Come stay a while. It provides you with the narrative to follow, right, through through your quests, right? You'll, t- you'll speak to somebody. They will give you your quest. You have what you need to accomplish. Yes, yes. The game will reward you if you take the time. And this is why when, I, when you guys started playing, I said take the time, talk to the NPCs in all the towns because they will provide, you know, little bits of insight onto your quests They'll they'll talk about other people in the camp and provide backstory for some of the people, and it provides a whole different layer of context for the things going on around you. See, my problem is and, those NPCs talk too fucking slow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you. I don't know. Can't help you. I don't know. That's um, my problem. My but another Tristram, the I think uh, Act One. Uh, <laughs> Shut up! Don't put some. It's Deckard Kane. Put some respect on his name. How's he still alive? He's trick question. Wait, did he uh, die? No, because he was in Diablo three. He's in Diablo three. Oh, does he die in Diablo three? I only got three. Like, yeah. I only got, like, <laughs> spoiler. Right? I only got spoiler after <laughs> spoiler. Wait, right, that game came out fucking six years ago. I only, I only longer. got like seventy percent way through the game. He dies in Act One. Is he really <laughs> in Act Diablo Three? Yeah. Maybe. See, that's how you didn't Apple really know about him. Yeah. He uh, was no. He was a nobody. See, to that's you why you that don't point. start with the third game in a series. Good point. I started with Halo Three. But I wanted to talk about specifically when when I initially referenced Diablo Two. This is what I wanted to talk about. Wait, this time or the last three times. The last time. Okay. <laughs> the la- <laughs> and I promise. I promise. I'll shut up about it. But. I love the remaster because I think it does such justice to the environments mm-hmm. that take place because the, the the original game came out in 2000 and it was very much limited by the technology. And I think the monastery in Act 1 is one of the biggest attentions to detail that was placed on a remaster. And so in Act 1, the monastery is taken over by demons. It's not shown to you. It's told that the, the monastery was was overthrown and the rogues were kicked out and they had to hide and that's why you're in this encampment because they were kicked out of their their home essentially um and in the original game when you eventually try to reclaim the monastery uh, you're fighting through a lot of pretty much bland kind of empty corridors but in the remaster there is so much attention to detail where a lot of these empty hallways are now populated with like overturned bookshelves and papers scattered all over the floor and there's blood and bodies all over the floor and the walls and you know to somebody who's not really paying attention too much to the story and is more you know trying to satisfy the goopy gamer goblin that just wants to you know get a quick dopamine boost (laughs) that's me (laughs) you won't notice it the first time but if you're trying to engross yourself in the story you can see like you pay attention to the placement of the bodies on the floor 
there's a body that's placed that's not in the original game, but it's in the remaster that's placed at the edge of a staircase like they were trying to flee down the stairs, but were caught and could not make it all the way or rather were trying to crawl down the staircase. And it's those little bits of detail that you can use to fill in the gaps in your brain. So it's a story that's told through its environment. You have to be willing to, you know, put a little bit of thought into it and, you know, say, oh, wow, these guys were cornered. They, there was nowhere for them to go. So they fought to their last breath in this corner and they died against the wall here. Right. But, you know, on your first playthrough, if you're not looking for that kind of stuff, it's kind of just like, oh, wow, this is <laughs> there's a lot of right. blood in here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess... But, it's really cool. It's like for me, that was one of the coolest things about playing through the remaster is it was like, wow, a lot more they details. put so much effort into crafting this this environment. And I, I love it. I mm-hmm. loved it for that. So, I mean, I was going to I was going <clears> to <throat> piggyback off of that, you know, with the idea of um, so both you're doing both at that point then. Right. So, yeah, the game is telling you this is what happened. But then you go and ex- see for yourself, like, the aftermath, right? right. Telling is not necessarily a bad thing all the right. time. It, not at all. I, I would say it's not necessary, and it is possible to to have a story be, um, you know, uh, not explained, but experienced uh, without having much exposition. But it is definitely, like, it, gi- it can give useful context if you want to have a rich world, um, some of it may be – unless – it's hard to say. I think it can work fine and it can be overdone, but I think it can be done without it too, but very much so. Yeah. You know, so I know you guys never played Sekiro. Mm-hmm. But – Only a little bit, yeah. You can't get past the first boss. <laughs> some of them are hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, Sekiro is the the from software game with a story, pretty much you mm-hmm. can say. Um, and th- most of the story can be, you know, you can follow the basic narrative by just playing through, listening to the dialogue, go whatever. But then you have, you know, optional dialogue moments that you can come up uh come up across um you can either have multiple conversations with the same npc if you just wanted to or you find in the environment oh i found a thing of sake right that was always the the connecting um factor in expanding a conversation so you find a uh uh i forget the names of the specific uh drinks but I found this sake. I'm going to go speak to the sculptor, the one who makes the arm for you. And it's going to say, oh, do you want to share a drink with the sculptor? You say, yeah, absolutely. And then as he's drinking it, he'll tell you more about his past. Right? Hmm. You don't have to do that. But if you want to learn more, you can. You have that option. Um, That's a good... Yeah. yeah, So you can learn more about the deeper history. Another thing with the sculptor is he, in one of those... Stories. He tells you about an old uh, shinobi that he fought alongside with, and um, I forget the specific details of the conversation because it's been so long. But you find that shinobi's finger, mm. and 
ends up being a tool, actually, hmm. that you can use to whistle and cause, you know. So when you bring it to the sculptor to have him put it on your sh- prosthetic, he'll have a different conversation with you depending on if you've already spoken about his old partner mm. or not. Mm. And he'll, if um, if you haven't spoken to him already, you can already get a hint as to, like, you know, this, this makes him uncomfortable because he'll say, this is like the first prosthetic where he'll say, like, oh, where'd, where'd you find that? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and he, that's that. I think that's that would still be considered um, environmental storytelling in a way because that does. It, when you say like show don't tell, it doesn't mean you can't have dialogue. It doesn't mean you can't like speak, right? Or a character can't speak, but necessarily <clears throat> like say, oh, uh, a worldwide pandemic happened, like division or something, rather than just or, saying or or uh, COVID. Yes, or COVID <laughs> happened. Like rather than just saying, "Oh, the world went through this tragic event," you would show, um, you know, maybe individual experiences or perspectives within the world, showing how that happened. That people can be speaking about it or or showing some action, so you can mix in. And I think it's tell show don't tell doesn't mean you can't you can't speak about it, but I think it means be less of this sort of omnipotent narration of an event and more of like different perspectives or personal experiences within that within that narrative i think is how a lot of um stories are done Mm -hmm. without having the this happened then this happened then this happened it's showing how people experience or how things went through the story without saying the whole story is like this so is god of war does god of war 2018 rely on environmental storytelling or exposition more no i think i think it's more i would say it's more exposition it's half i would say it's a balance of both because i remember that there's there's one um there's one specific part of the game that i remember that is when you're in hell um with with atreus and you're um and you're like on a like shimmying across a ledge and then you see like a sort of conjur- conjuration of of like a memory from balder um talk like kind of it's a recollection and sort of reenaction of of his memory of when his mother which like the name her freya. name is freya, freya um or freak essentially remember. cursed him with invulnerability and how that how that affected him and and it wasn't Oh, he was cursed with this and now he can't feel things. It's this is how this is he, he this is his emotional state and how he responded and how he felt and and what happened when that when that occurred within the game. And you didn't it wasn't told to you. You like while you're just playing the game, you're just shimmying across and that just is happening and you can kind of with hear it with an earshot and slightly see it. Mm. And I think that's that's not telling, that's showing. That's true. But then right after that, you know, Atreus is like, so wait, Freya is Baldur's mother or something like that. Yeah, it, there are some like so instances I think, I think of, the, of... I think it depends, you're right, actually. It depends on the context of the story. Because, I mean, I, I'm assuming... I haven't played God of War, but I'm assuming He's it's pretty dialogue heavy, right? Because it's trying yes. to convey In a good the way, relationship... Though. Well, yeah, it's trying to convey the relationship between father and son. You can't... You can do that, you know, without using dialogue, but, you know... Obviously, you want to be able to have those two characters want, interact like, with each other. At each other. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you, what, that's what the creators convey <laughs> everything through experience. You know, some things have to be explained. Some things have to be told. Boy. Again. Boy. 
Destiny, again, you know, they basically just dropped you in and they said, oh, yeah, here's look how look how quirky all this is. Look how crazy this is. Don't you want to know more about this? We're not going to tell you, but <laughs> you yeah, know, go find it's pretty it interesting, own. right? Yeah. I wanted <laughs> you to must like, have no end of I questions, wanted to like Destiny. I wanted to like Destiny so much and it somehow comes off as bland in a way that i can't find like a lot of the game aspects of the game are just not memorable to me and i can't and, and i don't know why it's all feel when i think of the game and try and it's just recall it's, it's all it's, samey it's, 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 uh, it's samey or insignificant it's no, overstimulating destiny has very solid gunplay and it's very fun to actually play but i can't tell you a single thing about what happened yeah. in in any of the main stories or the expansions my first experience with destiny 2 when I loaded into it, this was after like four expansions had come out that I finally <laughs> decided to play it. I loaded in and the Traveler was in like 60 pieces and I loaded into the hub world and I was like, that's not how Destiny 1 ended. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it totally like threw the story off for me because it loaded me into a hub world that's canonically takes place after the main story of destiny 2 yeah i was like what the hell is so this I, that's why i think destiny is a game that should not have been like open world or hub worlded yeah it, it really should have been a game that that was single player and then multiplayer mm -hmm. i think i think that like i think diablo diablo i always found diablo to have a very strange multiplayer system because it's single player. way like there's like when i when i especially when i was younger when I thought of multiplayer, I was thinking of it like games that you'd be like you'd f not only be fighting alongside people, but then you'd also be fighting against people. Mm -hmm. But then they also had the ladder system and 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 so on and so forth, which I still don't understand to this day truly what it's for. Uh -huh. um, right? Because isn't there like a ladder system? There, yeah, there is. I don't know much about it, but I know right. there is one. But I think that that is where I think destiny should have gone because it just makes things too confusing for new especially for new players and especially now that they have uh, you guys haven't played destiny in a while I, i've strayed away from it since the last expansion mm -hmm. um or last few expansions but i when one of the new expansions i think it was beyond light when beyond light came out i wanted to check out the new game i i thought the the world was amazing it's, they improved exploration a lot which is something i was uh, um fond of it still wasn't great comparative mm -hmm. to like other games right but um it was i was in this expansion but i was on season 11 or 12 and i was so confused because i'm like wait season wait is season 12 and 11 have different stories and the answer was yes and i didn't know that they didn't explain that to me mm -hmm. they didn't they were like figure it out on your own fuck you you know a big issue i think with destiny is is it's very multiplayer heavy or multiplayer focused game it's evident by the fact that you load into a social hub world yeah at, at, is your first experience of the game and i am of the persuasion that multiplayer inherently breaks immersion into an atmosphere no regardless of the game absolutely are because, you in my mind because i was yeah, thinking I mean, a very similar yeah 100 percent. because <laughs> it, it's like you're just goofing off with your friends at that point. You're not like getting immersed into the atmosphere of the world. Like, tell me the last time you played a game with your best friends and actually took the story seriously. Okay, I'm gonna answer your question, then I'm, I'm gonna have my own perspective. Yeah, so yeah, one, yeah. Um, 
Well, actually, I'm going to answer it for you. How was how was playing? You and uh, Nick played that the prison game. What's it called? Um, you and I played that. Yeah, but we only played a bit of it. I didn't then, play it with him. You didn't play it with him. No. Well, I never finished it. I was going to play it with you, and then we just, like... That's probably a game. We do have a couple of our friends that play it together. Who? Yes. And I believe that they had a... But that's a very unique case. Yeah, it is a very unique case. That's a very unique case. But in general, I would agree with you. Like, in... in... Take a shot. In Diablo... (laughs) In Diablo, when when we were, like, playing together, uh, last time I played with you guys in multiplayer, like... And this happens a lot even in, like, Halo and in Borderlands and other games. When I'm playing multiplayer, I can't focus on the story. Yeah, I it, right. it breaks the immersion. I, I'm less concerned about being uh, invested in the characters and more about communicating with my yeah. teammates right. or and even, fun and even we do that shit. I was playing with you guys. I'm like, wait, why am I... F- why am I here? Why are you all the way out there? And, and, uh, and, and then you two... I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but like it becomes a point where it's like, okay, let's recollect ourselves and then right. we can try and follow. Right. right? So, right. so it, it does, it breaks it. And I think destiny just does it horribly even further because it requires you to play with friends. If you want to do like the raids, the raids and stuff. like yes. the, there's no, which are also not explained I, in the slightest. <laughs> the, the raids are the, the six player more yeah. complex thing. I mm-hmm. play, I, I played one with, uh, a, f- a friend of mine from work, he invited me. He he and his friends played a lot, so they uh, were willing to help. Let me guess. You didn't learn anything. They just told you to do things. Yeah, and it was almost like being a, a, a chess piece in mm-hmm. a larger game that I didn't understand the rules for. Yeah. And like, like oh, ho, go stand here, shoot this thing a couple times, make sure to block, like, guard this area of enemies, and, like, then walk over here, and then you press this button, and then you... And I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? I have no idea. How would you even figure this out? Yeah. It's... There's so much of that game that is unexplained or not unique or impactful enough that I would remember it. Right. So much of that game. Right. And I don't... I still... Like, I don't know why... I don't know. I it's just I agree with you 100% on that. It's like, oh, we're going to have to like how the hell I would play through some of the raids. I would go into like an LFG, find some of the dumbest people I've ever met <laughs> and I'd go through the raids and then I'd also meet some of the people who need who probably need to get out of the house more more than once a week. And it's like, how do you figure this shit out? Like I don't have enough I don't have enough fucking Adderall to just, like, There's sit something. there and hit my head against the wall to try and figure something out that's not apparent. At least in fucking Dark Souls, you can you can read a boss. If I'm staring at a wall that has 40 buttons on it, I don't have the patience to just press every fucking one. There are people whose specific job it is to figure, to crack that shit in, like, a week I know. after it gets released. And I'm like, God bless you, <laughs> because I never would have figured I... that out. <laughs> It's like world's world's first to complete. Like I think you know what? Comparing that, you know, the raids in Destiny to the raids in World of Warcraft. And World of Warcraft. This is your realm. I this is my it. realm, right? In World of Warcraft, their story. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say story. I would. Well, that's a different discussion. There's a world. There's a world. There's multiple worlds. There's shitty writing now. Fuck. Blizzard. <laughs> Fuck. Do you know what game uh, Blizzard also makes? Overwatch? Take shot. 
Diablo. <laughs> Kidding. Go ahead, finish. Finish your Anyway, <laughs> raids in World of Warcraft, you know, Destiny, they, they say, oh, here's a raid, figure it out. Oh, okay. How about make a unique boss fight instead of me just having to shoot his eye, right? But in World of Warcraft, you get a you get a uh, a guide and it tells you this is this is the boss that you're going to be fighting. This is his lore. These are his weaknesses. This is what our this is what the tank should be doing. This is what the secondary tank should be doing. This is what our healers should be doing, and this is what the DPS should be doing. Mm-hmm. Now work as a team, figure it out, and and do it. And it's like that's just so much better because then you're not like you're you're understanding what's going to be happening. You're not just being told, "Oh, just stand there and look at it." And, and there's follow. clear defined there's roles. clear defined roles and there's clear defined actions that you're going to take. And the difficulty comes in executing that with your team, not just playing and figuring mm-hmm. out a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or bring, being told what the answer to the puzzle is. That brings down um, a barrier of entry for mm-hmm. that type of gameplay. Also, um, I feel like we are straying a little bit. A from little. The I know. A little, right. a little bit. No, it was an interesting conversation. No. I think. <clears throat> but that tells a story, though, to be honest. It because, definitely can. Because that's, that's that's an example of one of those games where the story comes from the experiences that you create with your your fellow players. Right. Right. Yeah. So you you learn about like Diablo it provides the context for you and then says go and create this experience for yeah. yourself. And I don't think that is inherently a I bad thing. I don't think it's bad at all. If that's what the game is setting out to do, I mean that's why I that's do, one thing. That's you why know? I do like World of Warcraft. I haven't <clears throat> I haven't played it in a while, but even all the expansions with it, you know, they have a clear defined story that fits into an overarching arching arcing overarching overarching yeah. overarching overarching Ooh. overarching narrative um whether or not it's a good narrative is a different you know that's that's up for interpretation but like the most recent expansion that i played um before this one what i forget what we're even up to now at this point um but it was balver azeroth the the overarching narrative i wasn't a big fan of a lot of people weren't but there was each individual region that you could visit had their own story that fit that narrative. And I loved those individual stories. It, that was one of the first narratives in that game that I could truly say, like, I like that as its own game. Like, mm. I would I would play that story <laughs> on its own. Like, that, it was just you. so interesting for me to follow. Definitely, definitely. And I, so I think... I think I don't know. I don't know where I was going somewhere with that. I lost my train of thought. I have, I have an interesting question. You always you say that. I do. Let You're this fine. be like one of the I closing do. questions. Yeah, coming yeah, to us again. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've had too many shots. That's too many know. shots. It's not about Diablo, I promise. How do you feel about games that shift tone midway through? So I'll provide an example for you. Halo. Halo CE, exactly. Halo CE. Turned into a horror game. Turned into a horror game. Midway through with 343 Guilty Spark, which is a phenomenal example of using the environment to tell a story. Um, you you are dropped down into the middle of the swamp. You trek through. You're seeing all these bodies all over the place. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't leave those there. <laughs> I didn't do that. What's going on here? And 
the the marine the marine that starts shooting at you mm-hmm. all of a sudden yeah. and is like you're not gonna turn me into one of those yeah, things that was... and at that point in the game you have like you're like what what things the covenant they could do that we've played this is five missions six missions into the game at this point you're like they can't do that can they um and then all of a sudden it hits you with that that oh. vid doc in the in jenkins helmet and from that point on, the game just shifts tone. Halo CE was the it's first fantastic. Game <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, um, I don't, I don't personally know of any, at least off the top of my head, any other games that really have shifted like that drastically. I guess. Yeah, I know. Um, the art of subversion is like that's. It, it comes off as one thing, but is very much another thing. <laughs> is it would be that example and there's not i don't think there's a lot of games um that that do that and you don't already expect it like yeah because even even movies too like oh everybody's happy and and all you know not getting run over or whatever you know people whatever people do in their normal lives hopefully not get run over uh, and then it's like, oh, but I know there's going to be a big scary guy coming in soon. It's, it's like, it's not, oh, well, big scary like, guy. I feel like they even tried to do it in the subsequent Halo games. You know, even in 2 and 3, I feel like they all kind of followed the same formula. If if I could, you know, break the uh, rose-colored glasses we have of those games. Um, I think there's valid criticism. I never liked Halo I 2. I feel like... Both Halo 2 and Halo 3 follow the same formula where the first section of missions are, okay, this is the human covenant war, yada, 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 standard stuff. And then like midway through the campaign, they're like, but, but, remember the flood? Remember those guys? I think it's- I bet you forgot. (laughs) We're still here. (laughs) I think that's why it kept our interest because we did forget. We were so focused on the covenant. I guess. Yeah, because I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah and they, I'm not saying it wasn't compelling enough yeah. because it definitely was. Because at the end of the first game, we thought, we thought we were done with the flood. That's true. If we were, especially if we weren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you saw me take off my helmet and I just had another helmet underneath, you know I'm not done with this shit. <laughs> Halo <laughs> Doom, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm done with your shit. <laughs> oh man. I think that should be a solid solid point to to close it close it down at yeah okay unless, unless i have no guys... idea how long we've been talking we we we, we bullshitted about for an five hour minutes. and a half we bullshitted for five minutes stopped halfway through we're not used to this this is confusing <laughs> this is too much for me no we're, we're at a good point i don't know i i, I forgot to well, take, i forgot to take my meds today so i don't know what day it is and Wednesday. on that bombshell, thank you everyone for joining. <laughs> this was the Backrooms podcast. We'll see you room in room three. four. We will see you in room four. Have a great night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye.